Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Morgan Price. I'm a family doctor and part of the BC Team-Based Care Advisory Committee. In this episode of the Team Up podcast, I get to share Dr. Jeanette Boyd's webinar presentation from September 2020. First, you'll hear Stephanie introduce Dr. Boyd, and then Dr. Boyd will dive into her experiences working in a multidisciplinary team. I hope you enjoy this episode. And stick around for the follow-on episode after this in the podcast where I get to chat with Colleen Kennedy and Sarah Fletcher as we reflect on Jeanette's presentation and go into a bit of a deep dive in some of the areas. Also, feel free to connect up at teambasecarebc.ca to get updates on the next webinar in the series. We're planning one about every month. So hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Masso, and I'm a leader on the health system improvement team at the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council, also just goes as the council. And I'm happy to be welcoming and hosting you at this webinar called Partners in Care, Preserving and Enhancing Longitudinal Relationship-Based Care in the Patient Medical Home. So I feel very lucky to have gone to know Jeanette over the past month and in my world of team-based care, she does seem to be everywhere. She not only makes time to serve her patients, team members and community, she is an active participant in provincial groups and committees. And I know that you will all enjoy her practical and systems focused presentation. So Jeanette, off to you to share a bit more about yourself. Um, so thank you for, for that introduction. Um, I am Jeanette Boyd. I am a family physician uh, who feels very fortunate to work um, in the wonderful community of Nelson, BC, uh, which is on the unceded and traditional territories of the Kanaka, Silix, and tonight's First Nations peoples. Um, I um, am a family physician, uh, so I believe very, very strongly um, in the importance of comprehensive longitudinal care. Uh, but I also know um, how critical it is to be working deep within a team um, in order to provide the best um, high quality comprehensive care possible. Um, I don't have any formal disclosures other than those passions that I indicated and that I am um, incredibly blessed and privileged to uh, be able to work with some amazing teams um, in my clinical world, and in particular, Apple Tree Maternity uh, Clinic. And I think there may be one or two people from Apple Tree, my colleagues from Apple Tree. So Apple Tree is a interprofessional maternity collaborative in Nelson, which is um, a group of family physicians and midwives who are working together with a shared population of, of families uh, throughout the course of their maternity care. Um, and we have um, a really wonderful and diverse team, which includes uh, social work, um, uh, mental health professional, lactation consultant, registered nurses, and we have uh, really tight ties as well with our specialist colleagues, as well as um, other um, family physicians and primary care providers within not only Nelson, but the broader uh, community. As part of that, I did really want to mention the importance of that pentagram partnership, um, if you will. Um, when you're embarking on any sort of change or quality improvement initiative, you really need to have all of those stakeholders in the room. And to use something such a structure such, such as this pentagram partnership, wherein everyone who's involved in the provision of care is involved um, actively and as equals in that in care design and quality improvement and is actively connected and integrated. And there's intention to bring that in. So all aspects of, of clinical care, academia, those linked sectors that are impacted communities, the health administrators and policymakers. So I want you to keep that in mind when you are going through your own team-based care, um, team development and, and implementation is, 
keeping the, the structure of, do you have all of the important stakeholders involved and actively participating? Bernie went over the objectives. So uh, a quick um, definition of what team-based care is, um, and everybody has their different interpretations, but the one I find easy to work with is multiple healthcare providers from different professional backgrounds who work together with patients, clients, families, caregivers, and communities to help deliver comprehensive health services. And it's that service that I think is a really critical part because all of those together um, across the care settings do then lead to uh, effective teamwork, which enables safe, high-quality care and supports a patient's ongoing relationship with their primary care provider. And it's the support of the ongoing relationship, which I'll get into a little bit further, that really helps you optimize these comprehensive healthcare services that are provided by different members of the patient's care team. And ultimately, the team is what the patient says it is. It is identification of those services or individuals um, that a patient identifies together with their primary care provider as to what they need in order to optimize their health and wellness. So team-based care ultimately really is the right service at the right time, the right place, and for the first time. Um, team-based care is very intentional. It is needs-based, so if you're taking it from the level of, a, of an individual clinic, it is looking at what are the needs of that patient population. And from a community level, um, knowing that not, a, not one single primary care clinic can meet the needs of everyone, um, community-driven, and what are those broader-based needs of that broader community? Do you need you know, access to mental health and substance use? Do you have a broader need around um, you know, high indexes of certain diseases? Are there additional aspects of care that can be best met by the broader community? And are there different physicians or different providers within that community who have that specialized skill set, such as maternity care, palliative care, chronic pain management, management, um, sports medicine, it's that broader aspect. And also, what other facilities, um, uh, services within your community, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, kinesiology, um, food banks, poverty reduction aspects, um, what are those broader needs? And you use that to really drive the definition and composition of your team. Teams also need to be resilient and sustainable. Um, as we all know that, you know, that um, early 20th century vision of a single physician being everything for any one family, um, as cares become more complex, is no longer sustainable. So when we build our teams, we need to build in resiliency. Um, and that includes having, uh, you know, some um, flexibility and crossover in terms of what your baseline level of services that your team is going to be able to provide. A lot of people can do chronic disease management, for example, a physician can, a nurse practitioner can, health educators, registered nurses, um, and being knowing that there are several people who can do some clean aspects of the core of your service delivery, what you identify as being what is most critical for the majority of your patients. That allows everyone else who is part of your team to really work at the top of their scope. It allows the family physicians to be dealing with those undifferentiated sorts of diseases. It allows your, um, which then allow, frees them up and you can then utilize other people such as counselors or cognitive or behavioral systems uh, therapists to deal with the counseling um, and the family physician, although they can do counseling, can then focus on other areas that are um, meeting their higher level of expertise. Um, 
team-based care definitely needs to be coordinated and well integrated. Um, you don't, you, again, it's that right service, right time, right place, first time. Um, it, you need to have that care coordination. So the patient and their family has a good understanding of what's going to happen and when, and all of the relevant team members are well informed. Um, it similarly needs to be well supported. There's a lot of infrastructure um, that, that goes into uh, team-based care, and I'm not only talking about bricks and mortar, I'm talking about infrastructure in terms of uh, very deliberate and intentional ways that you build your clinic in terms of workflow, um, in well-supported in terms of, you know, it's, you know, you're going to be having team-based care meetings, you know, you're going to be having an electronic medical record that all team members can access, and that is rapidly and continuously updated. Well-supported in that when you need to be able to access higher levels of care or specialized services, you know where to um, contact them, where to bring them in, and that your patients can easily and readily access them. And um, that patient-centered aspect is really key as well because um, you need to have that clear and identified understanding of what patients need from their own individual needs and services. That aspect of what is their accessibility like? Is it easy for them to get into the office? If not, what virtual care aspects can you bring in? Um, that understanding of what their needs are around um, social services poverty reduction, again, that patient-centeredness and being able to identify care um, and their care needs in the way that they can best access, that they identify as them being able to best access, is really what team-based care is all about. What team-based care is not, it is not episodic. It is not going to see the physiotherapist before their knee and then coming back, but they're not being communication. That physiotherapist needs to be well integrated into the team. And episodic care is not fragmented. It is, um, it is the patient knowing that they have a one-stop place where they know they can access whatever services they need when they need them. Um, it, and that feeds into the sustainability part as well um, in that, again, the building in that re interprofessional redundancy is going to be really critical and doing everything you can to avoid fragmentation. <clears throat> and where we often will see fragmentation is when they're going into different levels of care. So going into acute care, when you may be working in a community where there's hospitalists, do you have team-based care will assure that there's systems and supports in place that that physician, that patient is going to be held and that the care team in the hospital is going to be as well informed of the patient's past history, um, holistic holistic team approaches, family family considerations, life cycle considerations, as they are when they're in the community. And then the community team is also going to be well integrated and well informed when that patient then transitions out. So team-based care is going to be well supported to handle those transitions and care that are often where we see fragmentation and people falling through the cracks. And ultimately, the team is all about the collective good and the broader sense of the collective good of what is good for the patient, but what else is what also is good for the team and um, can help support the resiliency of the team and the family and the caregiver. So another way to think about team-based care is um, the concept of the patient's medical home. And in BC, we may be more familiar with the primary care networks. So it's not only around primary care, but team-based care will allow for the integration of those broader um, support 
broader circles of support services, such as mental health and addictions, other medical specialists, hospital care, lab and diagnostics, and it is well-integrated system. And again, the key for team-based care is the patient knows that they are being held, that there is one place where they can go, where they feel they are at home, where they are known as a as a person where they're known as an individual and that patient's medical neighborhood will wrap around that patient and their team and that relationship that is so critical to knowing to, for them knowing um, what their care needs are. So if you can imagine um, a family, um, it's a, a really wonderful family. They finally got pregnant. Um, they dealt with some issues of infertility and they have a family physician. Um, and that family physician in their team knew the specialists that they can connect into in regards to helping them get um, obtain their uh, fertility treatments and then returning them to the family physician's office, who then in turn was able to send them to a maternity care um, clinic that held that family together and was able to bring in those um, those counseling supports when they were dealing with issues around um, interpartum depression or around trauma-informed practice because there was a history of trauma for um, perhaps the father in that particular family that was really coming to the fore when they were having uh, when they were going through um, their their pregnancy and then at, at the, the time of delivery um, it, They've identified they were having some challenges with breastfeeding and and growth and development and being able to bring in that lactation consultant and the and the family physician is well integrated into this into this family's journey throughout their pregnancy and has a clear understanding of what. Um, of that birth experience for them and then when they trans transition back into care with that family physician the family physician. It, has that intimate knowledge of the understanding of what that family has been through and can then pull in that understanding of that patient's past medical history around that trauma-informed care to ensure that family is well held. And as that child goes through some challenges perhaps with um, uh, dealing with bullying in school or perhaps dealing with some challenges around growth and development or that family is challenged by um, uh, dealing with chronic illness, having that intimate knowledge of what that family has been through is really going to help that family physician bring in those teams. But what is so critical in that journey is um, that communication between between the family and between the team and working all together. We know that when um, Patients are able to identify a, a primary care provider that they know and trust and they can build over time. That continuity of care really leads to increased patient trust and open communication, better illness and identification and management, decreased likelihood of being hospitalized, decreased emergency department visits, improvement in identification and management of chronic illness, and ultimately in patient satisfaction. And continuity of care is the ongoing trustful therapeutic relationship between a patient and a primary care provider and their team over time. And continuity of care really involves that knowing the patient and building that relationship. And I can't underemphasize enough the importance of that relationship and the time, protected time to build that relationship and that knowledge. And where we really see that comes to the fore is when those times of crisis or those times of transition. And a primary care provider who's, at, who's had that ability to build that relationship over time and that patient can trust them, we're going to be able to provide that very individualized guidance as they need to make those really critical transitions, um, healthcare, 
critical decisions during healthcare crises. And a really good example is when a patient and, or a family comes into, for example, a cancer diagnosis. And having built that relationship over time, knowing what that family prioritizes, knowing what some of their challenges are around um, personal relationships, around access to care, around being able to afford care, understanding that there are other stressors within that family is really going to help that help the team together wrap around the patient to build those trusting relationships so they can get the kind of care that they need in a way that is most consistent with their beliefs and values. And the only way you can do that is with intention and over time. Um, where we also see the importance of continuity of care are some of those really um, important lifestyle decisions, such as um, working through depression or working through, um, uh, you know, even something as simple as, as um, a smoking cessation. You plant those seeds at each individual visit. Um, and by planting those seeds and knowing the stressors, you and building that trust, when the patient is ready, they're going to be able to come to you to say, I'm able to you know, perhaps deal with some of those those traumas in their past that have such a negative impact on their current health, or I'm finally ready to address my smoking, or I'm finally able to address my stress and anxiety. But they can only do that if they have a trusting relationship with a care provider and a well-supported team. So there's different aspects of continuity of care, such as relational. So we talked about that, about you know a, a patient and a primary care provider with that relationship over time where you really build that trust. The longitudinal aspect is that relationship over time that you know going with them throughout their lifestyle. And this is where we really see the importance of illness prevention um, and you know cancer screening and that sort of thing. You can really only do that meaningfully when you have a longitudinal relationship. There's also informational continuity, however, and that is making sure that all of the relevant and pertinent information around that patient, be it past medical history, drug allergies, um, but even from that holistic perspective around you know, specific beliefs and understandings, around end-of-life care and decision-making, um, around... Um, uh, who are the important members of their family, who they identify as being uh, trustworthy. That informational continuity is so critical and so important, particularly right now when we are seeing care fragmentation becoming more and more prevalent. Um, continu managerial continuity is another aspect that is really important and is essential in team-based care, and that is having continuity of how you approach individual issues or problems um, or your culture of care. Um, knowing that everyone on your team is going to have the same approach to a patient can really allow for, um, for example, family physicians to be able to take, step, take a step back away from that ownership, knowing that other people within their team have the same philosophy of care or will have the same approach. And a really good example of where we'll see this is, a, is a, an example of harm reduction, um, which we, we do a lot in our, our apple tree um, uh, community of practice. So how do you uh, build continuity and understanding how critical continuity is to high quality care and within team-based care, there's different continuity strategies that we'll see. And there are so many areas that where you can optimize continuity to, to do that. Um, I'm not going to, I'm only going to focus on a few today. Um, so know your team and know your approach, know what to expect and know what matters. 
So know your team and know your approach. And this is what I was talking about, about the importance of building um, a culture of care, understanding roles, responsibility, and understanding ultimately who is responsible for the implementation of that care plan. Um, so um, one of the, the aspects is building that culture of care. And what we do in, in Apple Tree um, is we meet on a rarely regular basis to gain an understanding both of each other and how we have different approaches to care and we all understand that there's you know different approaches um in the midwifery model to and the um and the family family physician model but we all have the same philosophy of care in that we've we've worked with each other enough over time and we've had enough protected time to really build in what is important to us as care providers what do we value and ensuring that our patients also understand that so um, we we will spend time really understanding that that philosophy we really believe um, in patient-centered care we really believe in women being empowered um, to make their own clinical care decisions. So what, what we've agreed to, um, we've had, you know, we, over time we, we've had very protected time in order to um, have these discussions around how we're approaching things. So we all have the same approach. We know we will all give women and their families an objective, unbiased, um, uh, informed choice conversation around what is really critical for them to know. And we do so in an objective way. And we know that we all will have that same informed choice conversation. And we all know that we will support the women in their choice, um, even, if it's an, even if it goes against the standard of care. And because we as a team have agreed to that approach, and we know that our team will have our back regardless of that, not only does it help you deal with some of that those challenges when you are dealing with a family that you know perhaps goes against the standards of care um, you're not doing it alone you have a team that has that same philosophy of care that will have your back and that will support you and when you need to tap out because you're moving on to to other aspects to deal with your family you know that somebody else is able to come in and support that family in the same way you would also understanding roles and responsibilities, really understanding um, you know, we, um, what everybody's strengths are, that strengths-based approach. So um, I know that there are members of my team that do amazing, amazing work with that harm reduction strategy. And I know there's others on my team who work really well with those families who are dealing with, with um, uh, dealing with depression and anxiety. And I know that I can talk to them or perhaps direct my patients um, to them because I know that that particular team member has that level of expertise that maybe I don't. But that, but that again, takes time to get to know your team and get to know them as individuals and get to know them who they are personally. The accountability is also really important. Identifying who's going to do what, when, and holding each other to account when you do. Accountability also involves being open and honest as team members. And that is one of the philosophies when you're working on your culture of care as a team that is really important is knowing that I can be completely open when I'm feeling burnt out or when I'm feeling tapped out or I'm feeling distracted by what is going on with my family. Our team has this philosophy of care that we're working together as a collective um, and we make decisions as a team for what is best for the collective good of our of apple tree maternity um, and so we know that we can be fluid we know we can be honest um, and we can know we can step out if we need to and others will fill that gap and knowing 
that sense of collective responsibility and accountability really allows us to give our all to that patient-centered approach to be to be present as much as we can with that patient, knowing that we don't need to do it alone and knowing that we can step out when we need to. And having those conversations around philosophy of care is really critical to building that team. Um, it's a way that you can avoid some of those challenging conflicts um, by having those conversations ahead of time. And what will you do when you have differences of opinion is really important as well. Knowing what to expect is also really critical, not only for your team members, as I went into, but for your patients. Um, patients um, aren't necessarily familiar with the team-based care approach, um, and patients also make it a lot of assumptions. They already assume that everybody knows everything, and they're really surprised um, when you when they go someplace to you know see the physiotherapist or to see the counselor or to see the specialist, and the specialist doesn't really know everything. Um, so setting those patient expectations, um, and a really good example of this is onboarding. So patients, for example, who come into Apple Tree Maternity are given um, a preliminary package, um, which is also available on our website, that goes over our philosophies of care, that um, introduces all members of the care team. Um, our patients know that there's a single number that, that they, they can call, and when they call, it'll be answered, and they will be uh, and they will have a care plan in place afterwards when they when they do call. Um, and they know um, that our team involves uh, involves learners. They know that our care team involves specialists up at the hospital, and they have a really good idea of what to expect in terms of what their usual post prenatal care is going to look like. But it also gives them an idea of what to expect if things maybe don't go how they are expecting. Um, they know they have one person, a person that they can call that will understand them, that will know their history. Um, also with those expectations, our expectations of our colleagues. So those who um, work with us at the hospital, again, have a really good understanding of how our team works. And that's taken a lot of work and a lot of knowledge translation to explain the apple tree model. And it needs to be done repeatedly. Um, similarly, with those um, family physicians who refer into our clinic, it also you know, the, the, that team-based care philosophy needs to go both ways. And what is so critical is to continue that team building over the course of time to manage these expectations. Um, caregivers as well really need to have a good understanding of, of what that team-based care is. And I think ultimately it is addressing those fears around expectations. Um, you know, a, you know care, fears of care providers when you're going into the team, it's, you know, Am I going to be able to work the same way? Am I going to have that same autonomy? And again, having protected time and intention to come together to talk about how you're going to do the workflow, to talk about how you're having decision making, to talk about how you're communicating. This is my cat toast, sorry. Um, is going to be a really critical aspect of managing expectations amongst patients. Um, but it's also knowing what you can't accomplish as, as a team. And there are quite frankly, some things that need that one-on-one -on -one conversation that need to be prioritized um, to that relational communication. So managing those expectations of what is reasonable and what isn't reasonable. And for example, during a time of COVID, when we have all these grand plans of all of these other great resources um, that we can access in our normal thing, when we came into COVID, we had to really condensed down to our core activities. It was around providing high quality prenatal care. And the other aspects, while they're important around our 
um, breastfeeding groups and um, art therapy groups. In COVID, we had to bring down to what we really needed to protect, and that was our, what our core and essential uh, services were. Knowing what matters, and this is really critical, and this is where the patient voice comes in. Um, you know, the patients are who identify who their team is. The patients are who identify um, what is meaningful and high quality care to them. And if we're not asking the question, and if we're not ensuring that we are checking in to make sure we're giving the high quality care that we think of as a team, we're gonna be missing the boat. And that's, you know, when we're not being intentional around looking at what our care structures are, around looking at are we meeting our commitment to continuity? Are we meeting our commitment to regular charting? Are we meeting our commitment to having regular um, connections with our with our broader team? Are we are our patients actually receiving care in the way that we're intending? So knowing what matters means that when you're building your teams, you have very intentionally set up regular opportunities to have conversations around continuous and quality improvement. You have intentional mechanisms whereby you can engage the patient, be they patient care surveys, uh, be they um, uh, fo patient focus groups. Um, and this is, you know, this is a constant and humbling process, um, is having those hard conversations. Um, and unfortunately, what often prompts them are when things go wrong. Um, so knowing what matters is really key and critical um, and trying to avoid them ahead of time. And knowing what matters to a patient, it's involving those team, involving patients in those team-based care conversations. Um, and a really good example of how you can know your team, how you can manage expectations and how you can know what matters and, and a strategy that we use um, at Apple Tree and in our hospital as well on our, on our maternity unit, um, our um, team, team, our case planning meetings. So what a really good example that we'll, that we will typically use is when somebody um, has quite complex care. So perhaps, you know, it's a woman um, who was on methadone um, for a previous history of substance use. Um, and maybe there are some stressors with, with the family, um, you know, perhaps an abusive partner um, or perhaps, you know, a complicated um, medical intervention is, is needed or, or there's some concerns with, um, uh, with a fetus, perhaps, you know, is you're anticipating is is going to be born with some difficulties. Um, that team-based care planning meeting is so is a wonderful opportunity to kind of deal with all of those um, aspects of preserving continuity. You bring in all aspect all members who are involved in the team. So um, the patient is there, um, the nursing, the nursing staff at the hospital, you're, if you have the opportunity to have specialists as part of your team, um, you bring in your outside services such as lactation support or your social worker if you happen to have one, and you anticipate what that patient's or that family's care needs are, and you talk together about how you, how you as a team are going to be able to attend to those care needs. Um, and it is a wonderful way not only to know what what the scope of practice is of your team, what their levels of expertise is, but because you're having these conversations together with the family, you again build that sense of purpose, that sense of intention, that sense of collective responsibility, you manage expectations and you build that team as you go along. You create those networks and the patient feels so well held because they know they do have this team wrapped around them in a meaningful way that ensures they have the op utmost care. 
And then you bring in that accountability piece by identifying in this team-based care plan who's responsible for what and who's going to be ultimately the communicator. So in team-based care, you really ultimately always do need to have a most responsible provider, somebody who is that key connection, that key relational continuity for that patient, but knowing that there are others on that team that can take on that role when need be, or, you know, that MRP might be somebody different depending on what that particular patient issue is. But the key in team building and team-based care is having intention to create that space and opportunity and workflows and processes in place where you can do that important work of team building and care planning and culture building. Thank you for listening to Jeanette's talk. I really enjoyed learning from her. And if you were part of the live session, you'll know we had a fascinating set of breakout rooms and discussions across the whole group that was there. So if you liked hearing this, please consider coming to the next live session if you can. All the links are in the show notes for information on teambasedcarebc.ca and the team up webinars. 